Uh, I was homesick from school. I was a uh, junior in high school. My mom woke me up and said, you probably ought to come see this because the plane is at the World Trade Center. manager rushed into the classroom and said, turn on the television. And we turned on the television and uh, we just couldn't believe it. It was really, really shocking. I remember sitting in my classroom watching the news and seeing the planes go into the towers. It was more just an accident. You know, it's actually a threat involved. It was unnerving for me because I didn't even know what was going on. You know, just looking, it was happening so fast. Just being in shock, I can't believe it was something like that happened in the United States. It was just, it was just nuts. Everything changed in a heartbeat. Well, welcome this weekend. We're glad that you're here. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off. Uh, off-site campus or on the internet or maybe in one of the venues uh, that we worship in. Uh, We're glad that you are along also as we take this weekend along with our country. And uh, we remember, we remember 10 years ago, 9-11, and um, where we've come from, and hopefully we'll learn some things together uh, about where we can go. I'd also like to welcome those of you who are here who serve us um, in various ways who protect us, uh, those who serve in the armed forces, who have at some point served or uh, who are currently serving. I want to welcome you. I also want to welcome those of you who uh, serve our government in in an official position as a mayor or in government representative of any kind. And I want to welcome especially the firemen and the policemen who serve us every day. Uh, You know, here in Charleston, um, uh, actually since 9-11, we had the greatest tragedy among uh, those who serve us in fire uh, since that day. Uh, So we kind of know what it feels like to be touched. And many of us uh, either related to uh, new or at least were acquainted with those who, um, when danger comes, run to the fire instead of away from the fire. That's what happened on that weekend. And so if you're in one of those categories, a policeman, a service uh, person, a fire person, or you work in government, would you stand so that we can just uh, say uh, uh, thank you to you? Will you do that? And in the campus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You know, a lot of um, heartfelt music came out of that that weekend. And and, and one of those was the Alan Jackson song, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning on that September morn? And that's a question, honestly, that I'll just bet everybody here or in a campus knows the answer to, to a split second, don't you? If I, if I, if, you know, if I was to ask you on a certain day, where were you and what you were doing, you'd say, well, I really don't know. But on September 11, 2001, I could open the mic here today and each one of you could tell your story. We all know. I know where I was. I, um, 10 years ago, we had recently 
kind of run up against a challenge with building a new building here in Mount Pleasant. We all worshiped at this particular address. And uh, we were trying to figure out where do we go from here? We can't build a bigger building. We're doing five services. And I was invited to a meeting in Chicago on September the 11th uh, with about 10 other churches in, uh, in similar situations. And we were going to figure this out. Let's figure out what we need to do. And so my friend Billy Hornsby and I hopped on an airplane on September the 10th and we flew into Chicago. And uh, I woke up in a, in a, um, a, f- a fairly high-rise motel, if I remember right. And I was reading USA Today, and I had flipped on the national news, and it was just going in the background. And I saw the uh, helicopters with the, uh, one of the towers, the first tower, the North Tower, I believe, w- was, was on fire and caught my eye. And I watched, and as, as a lot of you did also, as I'm watching and a reporter's talking about it, I saw a second airplane hit the second tower. And at that point, uh, we all knew something was wrong. I remember calling uh, back to Charleston here. It was an hour later. And uh, our pastors were in a meeting, and my wife was the secretary at the time. She was a receptionist. And I said, Debbie, have you been watching the news? And she said, well, somebody just called and said that something's going on. I said, yeah, you need to go tell the pastors. They're in a pastor's meeting that um, they, they need to kind of break up the meeting, that uh, life has changed a little bit, and let's move on. And so she went in and told them, and, and they said, thank you, and they went on with their meeting. And so she called me back, and she said, I don't think I did much good. I said, you patch me in. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so my brother was leading the meeting at the time, and I said, Jeff, the world has changed. Um, whatever we're talking about is probably pretty important, but there are people in the church that need a sense of stability and, and where are we going to go. And I'm stuck in Chicago, and i got to figure that one out. And so, as you know, the airplanes all ceased to fly that day, which was an amazing feat that we were able to stop all airplanes on the same day. I, I, who knows what would have happened if, if we wouldn't have. But uh, those of us who were traveling abroad or uh, away uh, couldn't get back, <clears throat> except for I had a rental van. And uh, so... The secretary here, or my wife, I guess, she's still my wife, um, (laughs) called the rental company and said, um, my husband's in Chicago, and he's actually outside of Chicago now in a van, and we just want to let you know that he's taking it home. And they said, oh, you can't do that. And so she called me back and said, you can't do that. I said, well, I just did. And and, uh, they waived the $2,000 charge or whatever when we got home. And uh, we made it and we had a service together. I, uh, you all have a story. I, 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 I have heard over the last few weeks from seacoasters and those related and close to us, incredibly moving stories of that day and where you were. I heard a couple of weeks ago in our foyer from a businessman who was in New York closing a deal. He was staying at the hotel that tied the two twin towers together and on the ninth floor, and while he was taking a shower, he felt something happen. The first plane hit. And then trying to escape the hotel, the second plane hit. And he said that uh, as, they, as they escaped the place and walked away, and then they saw the collapse. He, he, he saw things so horrific that he said his, bla- his brain has blocked most of it out. He's been in counseling off and on since then. I heard from Andrea, who serves in our children's ministry, whose husband was on the 98th floor. And uh, of that tower. 
And uh, the plane hit between, I think, the 93rd and the 99th floor, and her husband went home to be with the Lord. And she is in New York uh, this, this week, um, there for a, an, an honoring and celebration. Um, strangely enough, I also heard from Cheryl, whose husband co-piloted that plane that hit the first tower, and she also is in New York. I'd asked her to come and help me speak on this this weekend. And I, I heard from several others. And one of uh, those that I heard from were Dave and Angie Harden. And I wanted them to come and just share their story a little bit today. We're going to hear a little bit about where they were, what they learned, what happened. And then I want to make application to all of us. So would you welcome uh, Dave and Angie Harden as they come and share with us? Have a seat. When the two of you, and I, I don't know exactly how I heard about your story, but I asked you to come into the office. When the two of you began to share where you were, I, I thought, uh, well, we cried together that day a little bit, and uh, I thought we, we really need to experience some of what you experienced. You were not in New York. You were in Washington, D.C., Dave, and... Um, why were you there that morning in Washington? Well, I was a uh, pilot in the Air Force and stationed uh, uh, at the Pentagon. Um, was, uh, worked for the staff of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and was a military liaison for the Baltics, which is Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. A little geography uh, quiz here in the middle of church. Um, and uh, I was getting my master's at George Washington University. So and that morning, you were, what were you doing? Well, the reason why um, I wound up sitting up here with you and I was standing outside of the Pentagon was actually that little bundle of joy right there. Bradley, you want to stand up and, and wave? Right. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, so Bradley was in the womb okay. on 9-11. All right. And uh, we had an ultrasound appointment. And so I was supposed to meet my beautiful bride at 9.30. Um, out in front of the Pentagon. So you were, we have here um, a uh, kind of a Google map or a view of the Pentagon. This is the Pentagon, mm-hmm. and this is kind of a portico out front, and you were standing somewhere in here waiting for her to pick you up. Exactly. So there's uh, two bridges that come out from the front of the Pentagon here, and I was essentially standing right here uh, waiting for her to come pick me up. At 9.30? 9.30. And what happened at about 9.30? What did you see? Um, well, I remember it being a very quiet day, and uh, you normally see planes because you got Washington, uh, Reagan National Airport right there, and I see this plane kind of coming, you know, over the horizon, and I'm thinking, man, it's a beautiful day, there's nobody out here, and all of a sudden, the plane's coming straight at me, and what happened next is really surreal, it's almost like uh, watching a movie, and... Uh, essentially, the plane comes in over these bridges, and there's actually a helicopter pad that's not depicted here. So it comes over these bridges, bounces off the X spot, which is the, the helicopter pad, and then caroms in at about a 30 to 45 degree angle. So it explodes on this entire side of the building. Um, so you can imagine standing here, I'm about 500 feet away from the plane coming in. So it's a bird's eye view, and literally, if I was looking up there, I could see 
the people in the airplane. Mm. I mean, you could see the American Airlines. You could hear the engines roaring. And um, when it impacted, of course, I was hightailing off the bridge. I could literally feel, I'll never forget the sounds. I'll never forget the screeching. Um, I'll never forget the searing heat of the flames because the flames literally engulf this entire side of the building. Mm. And, um, and so um, Angie was, was coming to see you, and I think they did a video uh, clip, or she did a video clip at that time. Yeah, Air Force News did one. It was, it was complete chaos. There was fi uh, fighter jets flying overhead. Um, as soon as it hit, it was just like boom. Mm complete chaos, ran back in, bringing out, you know, bloodied bodies from the incident. And, um, and as you said, Air Force News uh, kind of did an interview with her, so I think they got a clip okay. to, to play. What is going on? This was an attack on the Pentagon from the south. U.S. officials are saying there was no warning. Um, this is a terrible day. What had happened in New York just happened here in Washington, D.C. And I knew it had hit the Pentagon. Okay, there's been an explosion of some kind. There was a humongous ball of fire with a huge cloud of smoke. From my standpoint, it looked as though it hit um, in the front of the Pentagon where my husband was standing. Uh, it seems obvious unofficially to people here that it was a terrorist attack. And I grabbed my daughter out of the car. And as, as I was taking my two-and-a-half-year-old out of her car seat, I was saying to myself and thinking it that, oh, my goodness, I'm a single parent. No way could my husband have survived a plane crash like that. Again, it is hard to, to grasp what part of the building. And uh, I came across several uh, military officers, and I, I asked them, I said, can you tell me on the south side of the Pentagon who works there? Because I didn't know where my husband's office was. Maryland Task Force 1, mm -hmm. zero people found, found 912, 10, Doesn't mean that somebody on the level didn't get someone out of here. Where my husband was standing was about 500 feet from the incident, and I was one of the lucky ones. I found my husband. You know, I felt for about 20 minutes the horror that many loved ones are going to feel for the rest of their lives. So you were on your way uh, to pick him up, and you were coming down right here. I was. I was. Um, well, first of all, let me just say, <clears throat> I was ecstatic about our first ultrasound appointment of our second child. And unfortunately, that morning I was running late. I was supposed to be there at 9:30, and I was running about seven minutes late. And I was on 395, getting ready to exit right into the south parking lot. Okay. I was. And so, what did you see? What did you hear? Well, in the while I was in the car, that was the first time I'd ever heard about the twin towers. You know, in the morning I was getting ready. I had a two-and-a-half-year-old. We had the Disney Channel on. I didn't know anything about the Twin Towers until I got in the car, and I was literally listening to it. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this airplane came over me. And it was so distinct. I could see American Airlines. I saw silhouettes of people in the windows. And my car, it felt as though an earthquake when it went over us. It shook. And because I was getting off the off-ramp, the bridge was, um, it was hiding my view of the Pentagon. Um, when the plane hit, I saw the humongous fire, the mushroom-sized, I mean, humongous-sized ball of smoke. And like I said in the video, to me, it, it looked as though the Pentagon had been flattened. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I thought I had lost everything. And so there was, and you explained it uh, in the video, there was this moment in time where you felt like you're a single mother now, um, life has changed, just all kinds of crazy things. Tell me just a little bit about that. Well, immediately I pulled off into the side of, like up in the grass, because I knew at any minute the fire trucks will be coming by, and I got out of the car, and I was frozen for a while. I, I don't know why, I stood there for about 10 minutes, not knowing what to do, watching ambulances go by. Honestly, I was afraid to actually run down the ramp to actually see the view of the Pentagon. Um, and all of a sudden, these women came up to me, and they're talking to me, and said, wow, this is really bad, I pray for these people. And I looked at them, I said, well, my husband's down there. I was supposed to go pick him up. And they looked at me in this horror. I mean, I'll never forget their look. And then it hit me. Oh, my goodness. This is actually really bad. So I turned around and grabbed Madison, my two-and-a-half-year-old, who's now 12. You want to stand up, Madison? <laughs> um, I grabbed her out of the car. And at this point, I lost it. Um, I started crying. We've got to find Daddy. We've got to find Daddy. And I'm shaking. And this is the first time she's ever seen me like, like this way. I grabbed her out of the car, and I start running down the ramp. And I'm screaming and crying. We've got to find Daddy. We've got to da find Daddy. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, she says to me, Mommy, it's okay. God will take care of it. And God will take care of the smoke too. Wow. And I froze. I looked at her. And I said, you know what, baby? He is, you know? And I just, I can't express the awe that a two-and-a-half-year-old could actually relate that to me in this horror, I mean, this chaos. In a sense, it, the two-and-a-half-year-old brought the presence of God back mm -hmm. into the situation. Tell me, uh, so there's people running out of the uh, Pentagon. They're all dressed similarly. Mm -hmm. how'd, you find, how'd you find Dave? Well, it took us about 40 minutes from when the incident happened to find each other. And like Pastor Greg said, everyone looks the same in their military uniform. And um, I was walking through everybody. I, c I couldn't see. I couldn't find him through all the, the people. So I kind of went up a on a little hill, and I'm still holding Madison. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, there was a, a bald man. And his reflection the, from the sun just caught my eye. And sure enough, next to him was my husband, Dave. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Did I mention, I can't remember where I mentioned this last week or not, but when God looks down on bald people, <laughs> he sees his reflection. <laughs> when he looks down on some of you, he just sees hair. That's all he sees. <laughs> so you found Dave. Dave, you know, the next few days were chaotic. They, a lot of emotions, a lot of things. Tell me just couple of stories. There's a couple of stories that really stand out. And um, I guess before I talk to him, I, I wanted to make a presentation to you because I have a special memento that I have from 9-11. And this was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with military coins, but uh, they're given as, gift, as gifts of honor. And uh, this was given to me by the deputy um, uh, chaplain of the entire uh, army. And on the back is inscribed, it says, and i got to get in the right light here. The soldier's heart, the soldier's spirit, the soldier's soul are everything. Mm. And so I'd like to present to you uh, with that coin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, will, I will cherish that. Thank you. The, um, 
there's two stories that kind of stick out for me. One is we lived about a mile from the Pentagon. So every day we could see the smoldering fire uh, rising above the, 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 the buildings. And three doors down, uh, a friend of mine and a firefighter lived. And he had the unenviable task of going in and cleaning up what just happened at the Pentagon. So if you can imagine for a minute walking in and you have an office where everything's completely torched. So you walk in and literally there's a body sitting at a desk, just sitting there at the keyboard, everything charred. And so I sat in front of his steps many a night and just cried with him. And we hugged each other. And one of the things he mentioned just really touched my heart, and that was he went into one of those situations. Everything's charred. And right there on one of the desks was the Bible. And the Bible was opened up. And there wasn't a single mark on the Bible. Not a scratch. Not a piece of dust. Coincidence? Maybe. But I call it a God moment. Hmm. Hmm. The, I think the, the second story that really touched me is everyone kind of needed counseling after, as you can imagine, on those events. Right. And one girl, she was a teenage girl, wouldn't talk. Her older brother was torched in the events of the Pentagon. And so a pastor brought her in and sat her down at the piano and said, well, start playing the piano. And maybe by playing the piano, it would be therapeutic. She could get her feelings out. And she started just banging on the piano. My brother's in the fire. I can't get him out. My brother's in the fire. I can't get him out. My brother's in the fire. I can't get him out. So the pastor sat on the bench next to her, kind of scooted her over and started playing the piano. And he just started singing. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes. Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. And she began to weep and cry. And God's healing could begin in her. And to me, that was a God moment. Wow. Wow. You, uh, I asked you to share maybe two or three lessons that you learned together at, out of this event? How did it change you? It, it's an amazing change. You can imagine being through something like this. Um, the first lesson I learned uh, really was for you, Greg, <clears throat> um, to love all creatures, including cats. Um, <laughs> we, we should have gone over that day. <laughs> Honestly, I want everyone to take a moment right now. You know, sometimes we're shy. We hide our emotions, hide our feelings. 
Hug your spouse. Right now. I want everyone to hug your spouse. Hug your kids. Kids, hug your parents. My mom says we have 84,600 breaths a day. A day. Love passionately. Love passionately. I think that's the first lesson. The second lesson is I got to speak at uh, my church the Sunday after this happened. And this question is just heavy on my heart. Um, And it's heavy on my heart today to, to ask it. It's simple, but it's fundamental. Are you, everyone sitting here, everyone watching, are you right with God? If a plane came in and hit this building in the next five minutes, is the love of the Lord on your heart? I was driving down I-95 yesterday, and there was a semi-trailer and it had a fish on the back. So I started creeping up on the... F- the, the sign was for, meant for tailgaters, which I'm sure at Seacoast there aren't any tail, no, tailgaters. Right? Okay. No. So, <clears throat> so I'm creeping up, creeping up because I want to see the words. So you're right on the back of the, the, the tractor trailer, and finally I see the words in the fish, and it says, Do you get this close to Jesus? <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. And I thought, what a great summary of the message I just you know, talked wow. about to say. Man, that just hits it on the head. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know that the third one is, uh, remember that story I told about the firefighter? Right. I asked him what part of the Bible was open to. And it was open to a, a chapter in Mark. And I went and looked up the chapter. And it talked about childlike faith. Mm. And that just hit my heart that wow. this two and a half year old would say, it's okay, mommy. God will take care the of The scripture in the Bible yeah, that the that firefighter found talked about childlike, childlike faith. faith. And that, you know, that song that I sung that we all know from when we're a little kid um, that touched hearts. It's, we're called to have a childlike faith. Stop over questioning. Stop doubting. Mm. You might have a minute. You might have a second. You might have a year. Love with all your heart. Love with all your heart. Get your heart right with the Lord. Mm. And just love the Lord your God with all your heart. With childlike faith. Wow, that's incredible. Well, what I'd like to do is I want to pray for you guys. uh, And I want us to pray for them. And I kind of want to pray for you as kind of stand-ins for all the families like you who went through that. And some who didn't come out quite as fortunate uh, as we remember uh, this weekend. So can, can we pray here and in the campuses? Let's just... Have a word of prayer. God, thank you for Dave and Angie and their story and the redemptive power of grace in the midst of tragedy. God, I pray for their family, that they would continue to pursue you, look to you, and God, that you would continue the wholeness and healing that you have begun. God, I pray for other families here in our church and just families all over America and around the world that have been impacted by terrorism that have been impacted by the wars in Afghanistan and Iran, which were the results of that morning in 2001. God, I pray that your kingdom would come, that there would be little moments and glimpses of you in the midst of horrific tragedy and circumstances. God, I pray that this weekend that is going to be difficult for some, that they would be just bolstered by your Holy Spirit. 
And God, we as a church wouldn't fail to pray and to remember. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you uh, show your appreciation to Dave and Angie for sharing their story? Thank you. Wow. You know, as I did a little research for this and asked around, one of the things that two or three of the people that I talked to said is tell people to remember. Tell them to remember. We forget so easy. And so I want us to remember. You know, I asked you a question at the outset of our time together. And that's this, where were you? And we all know that. We all know where we were. But the truth is, on that day, and sometimes many times since that day, especially if you had a loved one who was impacted by either the events of that day or the wars that have followed, the real question we were asking is, God, where were you? Where were you on that September morning? And you know, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But I'm going I'm to try to tackle it just for about the next five or six minutes. You know, I want to tell you where I think God was. I think God is where He has always been. He was in control. That's a tough one. God was in control, and yet it seemed like everything around us was out of control. Psalm 115 in verse 1, it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness, why do nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. You know, whether it's a tower that falls or whether it's a car wreck that takes a loved one or whether it's a tragedy of any kind, oftentimes it's hard to see that God is in control. How can God be in control when bad things happen? But you know what? He is. He is. And it's beyond me to be an apologist for God. And I don't know the answers to even a fraction of the questions that come from that day. But I was thinking about a what if on that day. See, as I studied it a little bit, what if the terrorists would have hit the towers about an hour and a half later? Let me tell you what would have happened. According to those that studied it, those towers had about 50,000 people in them at, their, at their, uh, the heaviest hours of the day. Well, they didn't have that many people in them at that particular time. What if the towers would have fallen horizontally rather than imploding on themselves? In fact, as I've watched several uh, uh, things this week, as I'm sure you have too, uh, people who were actually in the towers and felt like they, they swayed, you know, 7, 8, 10, 12 feet. They could easily have fallen sideways, and if they would have, they would have taken out other skyscrapers. And those who study those things say that that if the terrorists would have hit an hour and a half later and if the towers would have fallen horizontally, the death toll in New York could have been well over 100 people. What if the brave passengers on United 93 in Pennsylvania had not uh, uh, overtaken the plane and the plane crashed? That plane was probably headed for the Capitol, may very well have hit the... the uh, the, the, uh, uh, where Congress was or either the White House. You know, there are so many what-ifs. Where was God? God was where He always is, fighting back the powers of darkness. 
But we've got to trust that somehow, in some way, according to Romans chapter 8, that He will work everything for good in the end. Not everything is His, His perfect will. God has allowed us to choose, and that's the loving thing that He's done. But He even takes those scenarios and ultimately works it out for our good. Well, we were surprised that day. God wasn't. He's never taken off guard. Isaiah 46 and verse 9 says, And do not forget the things that I have done throughout history, for I am God, I I alone. I am God and there is no one else like me. Only I can tell you what's going to happen even before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That, um, that statement is actually encouragement to me because no matter what happens, God's plans will succeed. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. he says, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans to prosper you and to bring you a future and an end. And we, all, we, we, we know that every day things happen. And sometimes things are so devastating, we wonder, where is God in it? Well, you can know this. That there is nothing that can happen that will circumvent God's ultimate plans and His success. Nothing can stop the plans of God. And since nothing can stop the plans of God, we know that someday there will be both judgment and restoration. Someday we will see the whole picture. Someday we will see what God has always seen and understand what God has always understood. One of the most frustrating things for me today is, is, is when I'm in a situation and I just get a glimpse of God, just barely a little bit of God, and you wonder, God, where are you? And I wish that I could back up and get the whole picture and go, oh, okay, that's how that fit. You know, someday, someday we will see as God sees. Someday there will be justice. You know, we won't find every terrorist and the wars won't always go the way that we want. We need to learn to trust in the judgment of God. That's why I preached on heaven and hell before we talked about 9-11. Someday there will be redemption and restoration. The world is broken. The eagles wrote a song that night, said there's a hole in the world. And you know what? There still is a hole in the world. And there will always be a hole in the world of various sizes because of the impact of sin. But the Bible promises that one day God will heal all brokenness forever. And so I want to challenge you to remember. I want to challenge you never to forget where you were and what it has brought you. In the Bible, people were told to build monuments so that they wouldn't forget what God has done. I want to challenge you to stop and build a monument, to take this weekend just to think and to reflect. And sometimes we just want to shut all the, you know, the nastiness out. But we need to remember. And we need to remember that we serve a great God. Let me give you two or three things. You've already got plenty. But in light of 9-11, how how should I respond? What do we do when tragedy impacts our country? I hope it never happens again, but the chances are we will walk through tragedy together again. And I know that individually we do from time. What do you do? Let me give you two or three things. Number one, remember that God is good. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? Because I feel it? No, because the Bible tells me so. 
God is good. Second thing I need to do is respond with the love of Jesus. I got to be honest with you. In the days after 9-11, that was the most difficult thing for me to do, is to respond with the love of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus told us to love our enemies. Do we suspend that for these moments? He told us if someone hits you on the cheek to turn the other cheek, do we suspend that? And boy, does that bring a lot of confusion. Well, what about our government? And, you know, we went and we got Bin Laden. And was, are we supposed to do that? And should we do that? And can I just, just you know, you know, some of us are more comfortable with Toby Keith love. Um, that, than we are Jesus love, you know. I, I tell you one quick story. I was in, uh, I was in Israel uh, when Bin Laden got justice, and I was there with a group of pastors, and they were telling us, "Stay on the down low, stay on the down low, stay on the down low." And I walked out to get into the bus. They'd actually asked us not to look around, but we got permission from the government to get out of the hotel that day. I went out on the bus, and one of the pastors had plugged in his iPod into the speakers of the bus and they were playing Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. <laughs> and they were singing it at the top of their voice. Now, we got forgiveness. <laughs> but what about the government? Um, it's the government's responsibility to bring justice. Romans 13.4 says, The authorities are sent by God to help you. But if you're doing something wrong, of course you should be afraid, for you will be punished. The authorities are established by God for that very purpose, to punish those who do wrong. And when our president, George Bush, stood up that day and said, the ones that did this will be brought to justice, and when our president, Obama, stood up and declared that those that planned it were brought to justice, they were working as emissaries of God Almighty. That's what a government does. It, their responsibility is to bring justice. And if I work for them, that's my responsibility. But as a civilian, it's my responsibility to love. I told you many, many times that I'm not created for vengeance. And you know, we need to be careful in moments like this that while we cheer our government on and we celebrate uh, when justice comes, we also check our own hearts regularly that we are not reflective of those who have tried to destroy us. I don't want to be the same. I want my heart to overflow with the love of Jesus, and that's a difficult thing. So we need to remember that God is good. We need to respond personally with the love of Jesus, and we need to re-enlist in God's redemptive purpose because God has a plan for each one of us to bring life and healing to the world and do everything that you do as a representative of of him. Can I tell you one more story? Suzanne goes to this church, and Suzanne's husband was supposed to be in the tower that day, but he missed his train. Their friend Al was on the 105th floor of that first tower. The airplane hit just below the 105th floor, and in the chaos of what went on, someone got a call out uh, to a family member. Now, uh, Al was very strong in his faith, very vocal in his faith. In fact, they called him Reverend Al. And not everybody called him Reverend Al with a great sense of encouragement. Do you understand what I'm saying? So somebody got a call out from the 105th floor to a family member. 
And they said this, we're not going to make it. There's no way out. But we wanted to tell you that we loved you. And then they said, hey, if you get a chance, call Reverend Al's family. And could you tell them that Al has led just about everybody on the floor to Christ? And in the months that followed, when they found Al's remains, his charred body and arms were linked with four or five people. And as I thought about that, I thought, no doubt, where was God on that day? No doubt God was with Reverend Al and his new little congregation on that September morn, bringing peace in the midst of the fire, because that's what our God does. Let's bow for closing prayer. God, I thank you for these moments that we kind of shift gears and we stop and we go below the surface and we pour our hearts out to you and we remember and we ask you to examine our motives and our intentions. And God, we want you to know that we love you. God, we pray for those who... Um, this weekend brings hurt as we already have. But we also want to expose our hearts to the light of the Holy Spirit and of Your Word. Examine each one of us in light of who You are. God, I ask in the next few moments that You would bring a sense of soberness and a sense of self-examination and then a sense of worship as we just present our, our bodies to you as living sacrifices for you to use. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.